0: Going to be here a lot tonight, but starting with verse number 26. I'm going to skip around just to hear a little bit at the beginning. We'll go to 26, 48, 52. All right? 26, 48, 52. I'll read them in succession. Verse 26, and the man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord. Verse 48, and I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. Verse 52, and it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. Amen. Will you help me pray tonight Lord we come to you. God we're thankful we're sensitive Lord to that spirit God that is in this place. God even amidst Lord Jesus everything God we're sensitive to that spirit. I feel it even now I pray oh Lord God through the teaching of your word God someone's heart could be pricked and ministered to. Even beyond what's being said the spirit is able to make a connection with a person's spirit God and draw it close Lord Jesus into your arms. I pray oh Lord tonight God bless Jesus God the Lord culmination Jesus of this series this evening help me Lord God to say Lord what is right in the air from my heart and my mind God and I'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus name that I pray Amen everyone say amen. amen shake a few hands shake some hands with somebody if you haven't seen them in a while or so on and so forth or even if you have seen them and you just like them a lot amen just had a little bit of fellowship meeting right there hallelujah praise god if i may just real quickly go over uh, the criteria that we have already covered over the past couple of weeks these are they we have went through seven things number one do not marry or date an unbeliever number two do not marry a person with a incompatible spiritual appetite or continue dating them after you've learned this Number three, pray for guidance. This was last week. Pray for guidance and be specific. Number four, don't manipulate the results. Number five, don't compromise character for comeliness. Number six, players are for games, not relationships. Number seven, don't start committing until you are well informed. I didn't realize right now that could have been a play on words. When it well informed, she was at a well. Okay. Number eight. <laughs> Is this from the three verses that I read to you tonight? Number eight is this recognize if God's hand is in the development. Recognize if God's hand is in the development. When the servant had had prayed his specific prayer, and that specific prayer was answered, the Bible says his reaction and response to that, after she had watered all the camels and all this taken place, that he bowed himself. In verse number 26, he bowed himself and he worshiped the Lord undoubtedly because all along he's recognizing that God's hand is in the development of what he is still considering this possible possible relationship as a matter of fact a little bit later uh, he is actually taken to Rebecca's family's house he meets the family he goes there and uh, they're giving him some provender for his camels and, and a place to stay and Abraham even shares with them this story, how his master had sent him. He had traveled this long distance. The whole encounter of the whale and the situation, the prayer he prayed and how it was answered. And he does all of this. And within the story, the retelling, it's like we got a story or it's redundancy. We hear the same story over again because he's telling it to the family. But he wants them to be clued in on what's taking place. And then within that story in verse 48, he speaks again. Emphatically, how he bowed down and how he worshiped after telling them about uh, his story. So he begins then telling her her family in verses 34. Through 36 he begins to tell her family he starts out by talking about how Isaac and his family are, are financially sound and then he begins retelling that whole story and those sequence of events until they left Canaan until now and, and what's so important about that is, is because a lot of times when something an event is repeated in scripture uh, usually it was uh, a con- confirmed its truthfulness in scripture Whenever something was repeated, it confirmed its truthfulness. Uh, and just for, to, to, to pinpoint that, in Genesis 41 and 32, whenever Pharaoh had his dream and he was looking and needing an interpretation, his dream was doubled, the Bible said, to Pharaoh twice. And it says, it is because the thing is established by God. In other words, the reason why it came doubly or twice is because it was confirmation that this was established by God. And likewise, in Scripture, whenever you see things sometimes repeated again, it's just establishing a truth that this is, although we know it is, but just for any doubters, this is absolutely from the Lord. And so from, from his point of view, he sees God's hand. The servant does, sees God's hand in this development. And so now, though, he's sharing these events and sharing this story with her family because he wants to know if from their perspective they're seeing the same thing. He wants to know as he tells the story, he wants to know, do you perceive that this is the recognition of God's hand in all of these happenings as well? He says, because I don't want to be caught being a servant that's been on a long trip with ten camels, mind you and distance from home, and just want it to be a hopeful inclination of my own. I don't want this to be a hopeful inclination of my own, so I'm looking for a sounding board, so I'm just going to relay the story to you. Now, what you all think? Do you see God's hand in the development of this as well? And whenever he had told the story, here he is. He's, look, he's looking for a third party. He's looking for an outsider to give a conclusion on these events. And their words to him in verse 50, they said, the thing proceeded from the Lord. I mean, after we've heard the prayer and heard the answer and heard about your trip and everything in between, this thing proceeded from the Lord. In other words, you know what? Servant, I believe God's hand is in the development of what's taking place right here. Amen. Amen. There's a law that you can use throughout the Bible. There's a whole lot of different laws. There's laws of the first mention the first time something is mentioned. Uh, that's probably its truest definition and how that word is used. But there is also the law of proportion and something that the law of proportion teaches us that whenever we read the description of the story in verses 37 through 49 that he retold to the family, we see that it is much more bulk, a whole lot more verses given to that. And it seems to be a whole lot more vital Amen. to the servant's purpose than verses 30 than verses 34 through 36 in other words to the servant to the servant the perceived hand of god in the development of this relationship was more important than the sound financial status of isaac he says i i esteem god's hand being in this thing a whole lot more than the financial soundness of my servant's son isaac Gave more time to it, law of proportion uh, d- deals that to us. But after the servant's feelings, after they were confirmed by her family, after they were confirmed by an outsider, confirmed by the third party, here he is again in verse 32. He bows down, he worships, because surely he's saying God is in this thing. Now, what's so important about this recognizing the hand of God in the development of a relationship well i think firstly whenever we understand that the servant knelt down at the well to begin with with a prayer and he consulted about god about this to begin with wouldn't it be nice if the one you consulted to begin with is the one that still be okay through the development of this matter you know i don't want anything to change and me miss a sign or me miss a clue secondly he wants to verify Another reason why this is important, he wants to verify that this just isn't his flesh. He's just not making this up. He's just not trying to interpret something. But he consulted an outsider. What do you What? what, what do you all think? Yeah, I believe this is the hand of God. And, and it's, it's as essential it is, ladies and gentlemen, essential as it is to recognize when God's hand is in something, it is also equally vital to recognize when God's hand isn't in something. I believe we need to recognize that God's hand's in the development just in case that it isn't in the development. And the only way that you can do that, the only way you can do this is by consulting God. Now, you got to keep in touch, though, with God in order to check this thing along the way in its development. Not only do you need to keep in touch with God, but you need to keep in touch with people that you can trust. May I even say this? You need to keep in touch with people that you can be accountable to. I got a few, I got a, just a few uh, uh, recommendations. Your pastor would be a good one. I'm sorry, I know, I'm raising my own hand. Gosh, sorry. I'm, uh, your pastor would be a good one. Pastor's wife would even be a nice one. Someone you can truly say is a true friend and the true friend doesn't, isn't the one that tells you what you want to hear. <laughs> the Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Faithful. And it's not one that necessarily is going to tell you what you want to hear. It's one's going to hold you accountable. That says, hey, huh, honey, I know we thought this was starting out good, but this isn't right. Something. there's a rocky road. There's been a turn in the wind here in this relationship. For the servant, it was her family. That accountability people. Genesis 24, verses 34, starting... The Bible says, i got to go. I can't make a liar on myself. I'm going to have to repent at the end. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. This is when he begins before he tells all the series of events. He just got down to the house. They just got this big spread of a meal here. And he says, wait a minute. Before we eat, i got something to say. He took his time. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. Verse 35, and the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and men servants and maid servants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old, and unto him that is Isaac, the master's son hath he given all that he hath in other words, the master's son Isaac amen, is getting the flocks, the herds, the silver, the gold the men servants, the maid servants the camels and the asses now, here is number nine what is their financial standing? Now, please understand, I am not saying right now that person's got to be filthy rich and they got to have gold and silver in herds and flocks and blah, 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 blah. While the servant may have deemed God's involvement more significant than Isaac's financial standing because more verses were given to it, it does not remove the value of Isaac's financial condition. Again, those that were in my Sunday morning class last week, you'll remember, and I'm sharing with this group tonight for a purpose, that before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him a job. He was to dress and keep the garden, name the animals, before Eve ever came along. Before he had the wife, he had the job. Now, here's the reason why I believe what is the financial standing Uh, is important because almost any list of the top 5 or the top 10 if you will of conflicts among married couples among that top 5 or among that top 10 is going to be this money problems and since that is the case I believe it's important to investigate that hot button before any commitments ever made again I'm I'm not suggesting that that other person be filthy rich (laughs) <laughs> or forget it. If that's the case, my wife and I wouldn't be married. <laughs> but I am suggesting that you count the cost. And if see if you're going to be able to make it as a couple without compiling just yourself and a bunch of debt. Look at this ahead of time because you might need to look at it because uh, that wife, she may have to work he may have to find a better job and I tell you what I'd like to go into that with my eyes wide open especially if anybody has any preconceived notions for instance if, I, if I'm the lady and I have preconceived notions I'm just going to be able to stay at home and keep the house and be a homemaker that's all what I've always dreamed and desired and I get married and here I am I didn't even consider and woohoo the decimal the, the decimal and the numbers to the left of it tell me that I'm going to have to do something. I'd like to know that before because in doing so, you're going to alleviate some early stress in a commitment in a marriage relationship where the man maybe need. he thought he was going to retire at that job, you know. Maybe he's going to take another one in order to to make it, but I'd rather go in with my eyes wide open because without doing this, look what happens. If we don't do this, we get into the relationship and then these things start coming to our awareness you know what can start happening there can be resentment that start happens i'm serious a lady maybe could start resenting her husband because she married him and here she is now going to go to work i'm just being i'm just being real all right there could be some resentment there 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 could be some feelings of disappointment that could surface with all of this very quickly amen because sometimes whenever you have Unrealistic expectations. You know, we want to avoid those at all costs. Amen. And so uh, uh, consider the financial status. Amen. Uh, The element, look, look though. Look at the element concerning financial status. And again, please don't. I don't want you to misinterpret me. But that element even brought some comfort to the opposite family. Amen. Because does not any parent want to make sure that their child's going to be all right? whether boy or girl, want to make sure they're going to be all right, want to ensure that their son and daughter uh, isn't going to be lacking for anything, that they're going to have food on their table, right? Parents, can I hear a voice? You know, you, you're concerned about their shelter, concerned about their food. Want to make, furthermore, I believe my father's always told me this, that it, you know, it, and maybe it goes with every parent, I don't know, but usually parents always desire for their kids just to have it a little better than what they even had it right just even a little bit better well this brought comfort to rebecca's family notice verse number 29 the bible says and rebecca had a brother and his name was laban and laban ran out unto this man unto the well she had spoke about him and look at verse 30 this just kind of catches me a little funny okay but and it came to pass when he saw the earrings and the bracelets Because these were the gifts, in other words, the gifts that Abraham had given to Rebekah when he singed. I mean he's not noticing anything else he's noticing ten, Campbell, ten camels he's noticing gifts that is given to her on his sister's hands when he heard the words of Rebekah's sister saying thus spake the man unto me that he came unto the man and behold he stood by the camels at the well so, so whenever Laban seen the gifts that she had and all this and heard her saying man he's taking a hightail out to the well because this guy is going to be able to take care of my sister This guy's going to be able to take care of my sister. So Laban, Rebecca's brother, notices the gifts that she had received. And the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten camels at this. Entourage like that with servants as well uh, all around them. With all this entourage, this guy's going to be able to take care of my sister. (laughs) And Laban, in the next verse, in the next verse, verse number 31, I believe it is, look what he said. He said, come in. I like it, verse 31, he says, come in thou blessed of the Lord, he said, wherefore standest thou without, he said, for I prepared house and river, why in the world are you being outside, come right in, <laughs> that's right, I'm brother-in-law you know, I'm brother-in-law coming into this but seriously he asked him to come in because Laban is stinking. He's no doubt, don't his mind. This man is financially sound. He's he, he he's not or can I say it like this? He's not in a lot of debt. He, he, these are things that he owns. It's crucial to know the truth. It's crucial to know the truth of that. The servants shine some light on that subject. Why do we need to know some good financial standing or what the financial standing is? Because you may be marrying a heap of unnecessary accumulated debt from that mate. He or she already has $30,000 of uh, debt in credit. Card credit, credit, card credit. We're not talking about a mortgage. We're not talking about a car. We're talking about uh uh-huh, buy now, pay later. You could be marrying... You could be marrying a, a heap of accumulated debt, and if the history is any indication for the future, uh huh, you may be in for a surprise struggle in the area of finances. For that matter, what about the credit? Do they got bad credit? How's it going to do when you start your lives together? Are you guys going to be able to do anything as far as? accumulate a home (laughs) i'm I'm just okay this is just consideration maybe this is just too much i don't know verse number 49 we'll go on financially sound isaac god bless his heart he had a great inheritance blessing jesus 49 the bible says and now if you will deal kindly and truly with my master tell me and if not tell me that i may turn to the right or to the left Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing proceeded from the Lord, we cannot speak unto thee, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken it. Now, this is where the servant got some feedback from the family. Got some feedback from the family. I got items A and B that I want to consider whenever I'm talking about feedback from the family. A what does my potential mate's family think about him or her? And B, what does my family think about my potential mate? Okay? A, what does my potential mate's family think about him or her? Now, the servant was starting to ask the opinion of those that were closest to her. What does his or her family say about this relationship Well, as I said last week and I'm kind of picking up there where the teaser left off well it doesn't matter what they think <laughs> you're doped into thinking that but you might look back over your shoulder someday and say you know what I just might have should have paid attention to what they had to say <laughs> Again, they've known him or her longer than you've known him or her. Or usually, <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. So we're going to have to talk about something holy, different. Amen. The servant's getting his information from Rebecca's. Look at this. Look at this. The servant is getting his information from Rebecca's brother and father. Brother and father. You know why I believe that is important, Bishop? Because this servant, for Isaac, in Isaac's stead, being a man, is getting the slant on this, getting the, the info on this lady with a male slant. Somebody hear me right now? With a male slant. I think it would be important for, ask a mother or a sister about the to-be husband. Because it will have the female gender or the female perspective or slant on it. What are you going to ask them? Well, ask them well, what's some of their tendencies? Are they high maintenance? Do they get angry easily? Do they tend to hold grudges? Are they forgiving? Do they tend to make mountains out of molehills? Are they moody? Please, I'm not about ready to start a war here, okay? I'm trying not to. But But if I want to know if that to be wife is moody, I'm not asking her mama. I'm going to ask her brother and her dad, is she moody? Because, Sonny, they won't make no bones about it. I'm telling you what, there's some days you might as well just close the door and lock it. You know, whatever. this is important folks I guarantee you it's important I mean are they high maintenance does he have a lot of recreation activity does he ever have any time for the family he has right now does he have time for his mom and dad and his brothers and sisters or does, does he just kind of do his own thing when he wants to do it again we're not going to go ask daddy that he might be there with him <laughs> might be the only consolation you better ask mama you better ask the sister concerning those things Uh, pastor Steve Warman said this he said when contemplating marriage he said pay close attention to how your potential spouse treats their family because you may be treated the same once married does he raise his voice at his mother he'll probably raise his voice at you Amen. Amen. Blessing Jesus. So, so pay attention to how they treat treat those that they, they love and they're in close relationship with. B, item B. I'm moving here. I'm trying to. What does my family think about the potential mate? No, I've asked her family what they thought about her, but now I want to know what my family thinks about her. Newsflash, whenever your parents or your immediate family have what seems to be an objection to your potential mate, this is a very difficult thing to do. If you can do it, you're awesome, but try to step outside of the romantic love that you're feeling right now for that person and listen objectively to their unbiased opinion. Someone hear me? I said, listen, listen. Because their perspective is different from your perspective. You're the one engaged in the relationship. You're the one that's for quite some time now has got emotionally involved. You're the one uh, for the most time right now that's, that's been concentrating on the similarities. We both like juicy fruit gum. Sometimes it gets that ridiculous. <laughs> We've been concentrating on all these positive aspects, you know, all these positive things, and sometimes that makes us blind to any real negativity there could really be some negativity there. And it makes us blind to it. Now, listen, whenever a parent or someone, immediate family member, raises up and says something, most of the time, all right, I'll a little disclaimer there, most of the time, they are not trying to sabotage your relationship as much as keep you from future grief. Because, you know, if I step on this side, you know what they know? Because if you go on, and it turns out the way you think it's going to turn out and you go through that grief and that turmoil you know what you're going to do? you're going to wrap them in it too and they're going to have to walk the second mile as well so let that person that's outside of the situation be able to view it even be able to see the negative that you're not seeing because all you see is the similarities and the positive and listen and try to accept it this is hard I'm not saying this is easy and try to accept it without being offended and truly consider it better now than later because here's a chronic misconception marriage will correct that person's fault Marriage is a great covenant and marriage is a great thing that's been instituted by God but unfortunately it is not a rehabilitation program. (laughs) Neither is it a correctional facility. (laughs) Amen. If your partner says things or engages in behavior right now before there's ever marriage or the big question is there and it's putting a little question mark in your mind (laughs) don't expect for that to necessarily get better. After you get married, as a matter of fact, usually it gets worse. Marriage is not going to relieve the symptoms. It's not going to cure the disease. You better pay attention to it. Now now look at this. Look at this. Talking about the approval of the family. Abraham had already given some things unto the servant. Uh, don't, don't, don't uh, marry, Let her marry. Let him marry an unbeliever, and don't let him go back home. Bring her back here. Let have a good, uh, same, similar spiritual appetite. And, and so whenever Abraham did that with the servant meeting those criteria uh, uh, Abraham has already approved of her by the servant meeting those criteria and so here's Rebecca's family she, they also approve of this marriage in this man and this family that she was going to join herself to uh, they said surely this thing proceeded from God it, it is a thing that is from God this union as well and they basically said there's nothing that we can say in addition to what's already taken place and happened and these were the words here are the evidence of their approval. They tell the servant, they said, take Rebecca, go and let her marry Isaac. Man, that's you, you guys, you like to hear that. I don't know if they still go ask the father for the hand in marriage. I don't know, I don't, I don't know if that's practice as much anymore. But in other words, he was saying, Go. <laughs> take Rebecca, let, let, take her to Mary. I want to show just a real quick example. I got I gotta go. A uh, real quick example about someone who probably wished they'd listened to mom and dad, Biblically, biblically, a man by the name of Samson, Judges 14 and 16, will forever be an example of a person who probably wishes he had taken heed to the words of his mother and his father. He tells them in the very beginning about this girl that he is interested in, and they give words right back to him how they are not favorable toward this involvement. And listen, folks, his first marriage, listen to me, his first marriage was so bad that he was only married to her for seven days. I'm, I'm serious. This, this first, their first was so bad it just, just, just for seven days. And sadly, the same flaw she had would be the same flaw that the other women that he was interested in had. And ultimately, Bishop, this flawed trait these women had, would be his ultimate demise, his death. I guarantee you, as he's standing there blind, in the house of Dagon, between those two pillars, and already been made a sport of on that little press that he was in, I guarantee you there was probably somewhere along the line in the back of his mind, thinking, I wish I would have listened to mom and dad. Amen. Genesis 24, verse 55, the Bible says, and her brother and her mother said, look now, her brother and her mother said, let the damsel, dad and brother said, take her, go, and let Isaac marry her. But her brother and her mother said, let the damsel abide with us a few days. At the least ten, I didn't know when few started interpreting ten, but there it is. At the least ten, after that she shall go. Number eleven. It's getting hot. Let's go get real hot. Beware of unhealthy family attachments. Hmm. I fear someone would take around the church a lap or something on that one. Beware of unhealthy family attachments. Because sometimes what happens is that man, that 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 girl, or that son gets married. And then there could be a parent that holds on and still tries to control or fix their children after they even reach adulthood. Seen it. They try to to still be greatly and intimately involved in their life to the degree that they're not just trying to control a child, but they're trying to control the marriage that they just embarked on. The circumstances of that. Marriage. Marriage itself. Huh. Beware of unhealthy family attachment. I won't stay here long, okay? <laughs> Don't want to, ma- to have to pass out complimentary wash racks for everybody's forehead. I see it right now. Amen. <laughs> Ezekiel 16 and 4, speaking of Jerusalem in her nativity, spoke of her parents, and then verse 4 it says, And as for thy nativity, he said in the day thou wast born thy navel was not cut neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee thou wast not salted at all nor swallowed at all. Uh, the, the key for me is the phrase that in, in the day thou wast born thy navel was not cut. Thy navel was your umbilical cord was still attached. If I can say it through these terms there was an unhealthy attachment. That was good for where you were positioned at to begin with but whenever you were born there's a new air and a new dimension that starts in your life that necessitates the cutting of the umbilical cord. Because to remain like that is going to be very futile for the life of the child. See, the cutting of the umbilical cord, that child is freed after birth from the blood and the nourishment and the intake of that mother, mother, which was there, no doubt, to nourish that child in the womb. But if that thing is not cut if that umbilical cord is not cut if it's not tied off which usually happens somewhere around the same time the child will perish when the decomposition of the placenta begins because it's not going to continue to thrive because this is a new station in life for that kid. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. There's nothing wrong with being mama's boy. Whenever you get married, you better become mama's man. Uh-huh. Glory, amen. Hallelujah, amen. Jesus, hallelujah. Woo! All right. Genesis 24 and verse 58. Let's move on. Woo! And they called Rebekah and said to her, Wilt thou go with this man? Because they said, Hey, let's stay for. 10 days, let her keep her for 10 days. And then they, whenever Abraham, or Abraham's servant says, hey, I've had good process. You said this is from the Lord. We'd like to get back, so on and so forth. They said, well, why don't we let Rebecca answer for herself? And they called Rebecca and said to her, wilt thou go with this? That's an important question. Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Number 12, here it is. We've been trying to get here all along. Pop the question. Here is a very telling question, though. I mean, outside of the servant character that Rebecca displayed and the promising approval, if you will, of her family, the godly heritage that she was a part of that was necessary, the reliable financial standing that Isaac even had, here was an important question. Wilt thou go with him? Why is it important? Because summed up in those words is a question of commitment. Life, long commitment. It's a direct question, Sister Craig. No hedges need to be trimmed right here. This, this isn't an assumption of what we believe about the other person. No, 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 no. This is a simple and clear gain of understanding. Will you go with this man? When someone asks, will you marry me? That is quite different than asking, will you love me? Bears repeating for me if no one else. When you ask somebody, will you marry me? That is quite different than saying, will you love me? Because for the most part, when people talk about love, they are, the most part, in society, they're talking about affection. Mm-hmm. However, whenever you talk about marriage, you're talking about commitment. Amen. Amen. The main question isn't about, affectionate love that's not the main question nor is it about companionship it's about commitment will you go will you commit and continue to commit will you as we say in our marital ceremonies will you forsake all others Uh uh-huh genesis 24 verse 67 this is a long chapter Isaac brought her into, here they've already met, Isaac's met her, Rebecca's met him, and now he's getting ready to take her into uh, his mother's tent. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca. and no, noticed the arrangement here, and she became his wife and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. She became his wife, And he loved her. Marriage, or might I even say commitment, should be the foundation for love. And love, not the foundation for the marriage or your commitment. Isaac and Rebecca married, and then we read Isaac loved her. Now, don't misunderstand me right now. I believe in romantic love. Can't you tell by looking at me? (laughs) But if you build a marriage on romantic love, what do you do if conflicts develop and you don't feel in love anymore? Huh? What if things just happen and there's frustrations and you're not feeling the love (laughs) anymore? But if you build that thing, that relationship, that foundation, if you build it on commitment, on commitment, you can weather a lot of disagreements, weather a lot of storms, a lot of conflicts, a lot of incongruences, a lot of hurt feelings, you can weather a lot whenever it's founded on commitment more so than whether or not you're feeling in or out of love right now. So that's the reason why this is an important question. He wasn't asking, Do you, will you love this man? He said, will you go with this man? Will you marry? Will you commit to this man? How important is it? The very next chapter, chapter 25, we see very soon Something's already coming on the horizon. Isaac realized the lady that he has taken to marry is barren. The lady is barren. She cannot have children. And the greatest honor that a lady could bestow upon a man in that day was to give him children, particularly sons. But this lady, he's just married cannot give that to him but you know what he stays committed to his marriage amen that's right pastor if you'll stand with me i got two minutes and 30 seconds and Rebecca's ply of I will go it was simply showing her willing status of leaving and cleaving leaving her family cleaving to her husband she was ready to leave those apparent family attachments brother and mama wanted her stay for at least 10 days she was willing to leave that and cleave to this man Adam I hope and listen, the list that we've had over the past three weeks, it is by no means an exhaustive list, all right? We could go other places in Scripture and add to, but uh, to keep you from having a scroll that just rose down the center aisle <laughs> that you're going to get out when you... No, we're just trying to base it right here off Genesis 24 from what we derived from there this evening. But I believe there's enough within those 12 that we offered over the past three weeks that would be a tremendous, great basis... To try to find a future mate with, with what was right there, and I believe if you're if you're going the distance of trying to go with those twelve, God's going to help you greatly if He's showing you putting forth that much effort. Amen. That much effort. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads in this place tonight. I'm thankful for God. Uh, this was never my.